Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Vatican City has always been a hotbed of gossip and intrigue. But some of the Pope's recent comments have left Vatican watchers playing real-life Cluedo. Pope Francis is making waves in the Catholic Church, and not everyone is happy about it. Knives are out. There were a sort of growing number of people in the Vatican who were thinking, yeah, he's on his way out the door, and good riddance. Now, the rumour mill has gone into overdrive. A new announcement from Pope Francis is starting to add fuel to the rumors that he will soon step down from his position. Only four popes in the last 1,000 years have ever retired. He's been quoted as saying, patience. And what about the other pope just over Francis's shoulder? Pope Francis leaving the Vatican by helicopter to visit the man he replaced, Pope Benedict two living popes together for the first time in hundreds of years. It would be natural to every now and then ask him for some kind of advice. However, I have a feeling that Francis is going to go his own way on things. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Jenny Kleeman. Today, will the Pope resign? I am Tom Kington. I am the Times newspaper's correspondent in Italy. And being the Italy correspondent for the Times, it means you're also the Vatican correspondent. What's that like? Well, I spend a lot of my time covering politics, culture, you name it, in Rome. And then I will pop across the Tiber River to do a story on the Vatican which takes you into a different world. The Vatican is a city-state, so effectively I cover two countries. Whereas in Rome, anyone I will report on will have a perhaps a press officer working with them, whether it's a policeman or a politician or whoever. You get to the Vatican, and there are government departments, there are ministers, there are hundreds of people. The Vatican has one main press officer. So all the information coming out of the Vatican comes through him, And all the questions for the Vatican go back through him. And he's a very nice person, but he doesn't always pick up the phone. So that means that you feel that there's a big world that you don't know about that's lurking behind there. And sometimes, therefore, it's good to have contacts. What's changed, however, recently is that you need to figure out who you're talking to because this papacy has been very polarizing. Pope Francis has been a pope who has divided opinion. And often you have to really think about which expert you're talking to. Are they pro-Francis? Are they anti-Francis? And that's a recent phenomenon, which I think, yeah, is evidence of a deeply divisive papacy. And there's a lot of intrigue going on behind the scenes. You compared it to Knives Out 
and Cluedo. Yeah, that's perhaps not an exaggeration, given that there's quite a lot of skullduggery. And Pope Francis is the first person to denounce that, as he has done regularly in the past. Quite a lot of gossiping, quite a lot of double-crossing, you name it, it's all going on. Now, of course, we're talking about Pope Francis today, but let's rewind 800 years and go back to the 13th century with Pope Celestine V. Why is he relevant to the present day? Because Pope Francis has announced that he will be travelling up to the town of L'Aquila in central Italy in August to pay homage at the tomb of Celestine V, who died in the 13th century. The Vatican says Pope Francis will go to the city of L'Aquila in central Italy in late August. Though it sounds perfectly normal, the announcement has raised a lot of speculation among longtime Vatican observers. Celestine is memorable because he resigned. He was quite a strange character anyway. He lived in a cave in central Italy and wanted to have nothing to do with the world. He'd been a monk before being elected pope, lived a sort of hermit life. He was just deep into his life of prayer in there in his cave. Until in 1294, he became fed up with the fact that the cardinals of the Catholic Church could not agree on who would be the next pope. They spent two years trying and failing to elect a new pope. So Celestine wrote them a furious letter saying, if you don't elect a pope soon, you're all going to hell. At which point they turned around and said, fine, okay, you do the job. And he was dragged from his cave and promptly crowned pope and was a terrible pope by all accounts. He was a really bad administrator. And this is perhaps down to the fact that he hated the job. And one of the decrees he did pass was a new rule allowing popes to resign, a rule he promptly used himself to stand down. He was hoping to go back to his cave. However, his successor, Boniface VIII, feared that supporters of Celestine would try and put him back on the throne. So Boniface had him thrown in jail, where he died two years later. So a very peculiar tale. Now, not only is Francis going up to visit the two, but previously in 2009, Francis's predecessor, Pope Benedict, went there too. He paid homage. He left his papal scarf on the tomb as a sign of respect. No one really made much of this at the time. However, a few years later, 2013, Benedict himself resigns. In today's world, with its rapid changes and questions, he said in Latin, strength of mind and body is needed. In the last few months, Pope Benedict said he had felt both begin to fail, so he would step down. This decision has left the Catholic Church across the world reeling. And at that point, everyone thought, ah, okay, he had clearly been mulling this over with his visit up to Celestine's tomb. So now that Francis is going there this August, people are saying, okay, we get it. We missed it last time, but something may be going on. There have been rumours for a while that he might resign. When did they all begin? Well, it's kind of down to his health. Last year, he had colon surgery, 
This year, he's been struggling a bit. He's had a lot of pain from strained ligaments in his right knee that have made walking very painful. Pope Francis used a wheelchair in public today for the very first time since a new flare-up of pain coming from his knee. And has just called off trips he planned to Congo and South Sudan this summer. He's getting on, of course, he's 85. He also recently announced that he would be appointing 16 new cardinals in, in August. In fact, that's coming a day before he visits Celestine's tomb. And uh, he then also will have a, a big meeting with cardinals after the appointment of these new cardinals. He'll bring all the College of Cardinals to Rome to discuss the, the future direction of the Vatican. So that has all triggered the speculation, oh, maybe he's thinking of resigning. After all, this is a pope who described Benedict's decision to resign as opening a door to future possible resignations. People are potentially reading things into this forthcoming visit of Celestine's tomb in August. But let's unpack that. First of all, for those of us who don't know the current Pope Francis well, tell us about him. What's his background? He's from Argentina. He's 85. For the first time in a thousand years, the Roman Catholic Church has a Pope who's not from Europe. And for the first time ever, he's from the Americas. Argentine-born Cardinal Jorge Mario Bergoglio will henceforth be known as Pope Francis. He's been quite a radical pope compared, for example, to Benedict, his predecessor, who was a play-it-by-the-rules kind of guy. Pope Francis has been a sort of free-willing pope. He took the name, the papal name Francis, his real name is Joseph Bergoglio. He took the, name, the papal name Francis to, I think, pay homage to St. Francis's love of nature and also his wish to be amongst the poor, not to be aloof. Bergoglio, before he became a priest, he was a chemist, he was a janitor, he was a nightclub bouncer. Pope Francis drives uh, Ford Focus, which is kind of not what you expect, right? I think he could say over and over again, we all should have a simpler lifestyle. But when you see him in that little Ford, it says it. He had a girlfriend, so rather an unusual character particularly to become Pope. He then became Archbishop of Buenos Aires in the late 90s, and he's a big football fan. Since his election in 2013, he's really won people over with what's seen as a sort of common touch. When he comes out to St. Peter's to, to make a speech on Sunday, he signs off by saying, e bon pranzo. have a good lunch, which is sort of folksy touch, which you wouldn't expect from Pope's. In the early days of his papacy, when he used to get letters from people, he would ring them up. So you'd have people answering the phone and a voice would say, Hi, this is Pope Francis, which is amazing. And this was a complete contrast to his rather sort of stuffy predecessor, Pope Benedict. If you go to St. Peter's these days, you'll see some showers, which he set up for the homeless people in Rome. He rounds them up occasionally, gives them guided tours of the Sistine Chapel. He invites them over for his birthday. So, yeah, a, quite a radical pope. He's seen as a radical and as a liberal within the papacy, but he's still quite traditional as it goes. Yes, insofar as on the, 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 sort of the hot button issues, such as whether people of the same sex could be married in the church. Catholic Church is restating once again, the same-sex unions are not licit, they are a sin, 
and they're not even comparable to the marriage between a man and a woman, which is the only union that the Catholic Church recognizes. That's a firm no on that. He's anti-abortion. He's against surrogate pregnancies. Making another dent in his progressive image. The Pope went off script in his weekly address to the faithful gathered on St. Peter's Square to deliver his strongest criticism yet of abortion. Is it right to use a hitman to solve a problem? You can't do that. It's not right to end a human life, however small. You know, he is the Pope after all. He's been Pope for nine years. What would you say are the most significant things that he's done? I think it's a cliche, but I think it, it does sum up his papacy to some extent, this idea of him being a mercy before doctrine pope. He's a guy who, before he reads the rules, he decides how he can best look after people. That has got the backup of conservatives, but he's clearly someone who thinks, I need to go out, visit with people, find out how I can make their lives better, and then I'll go back and read the catechism and find out what Catholic rules have to say about this. Pope Francis said last year, it's time for mercy for divorced and remarried Catholics with regard to receiving communion. It's not yet a change in church doctrine, but it is a topic which is hotly debated at the moment at the Vatican. One example of that is how he opened up to Catholics who get married in the church, then get divorced outside the church. And because the church does not recognize civil divorce, if they want to remarry, they have to remarry in a registry office. But at that point, the church, which hasn't recognized their divorce, considers them to be living in sin and will refuse them communion if they show up in church. So clearly that's quite a lot of Catholics these days who are divorced, remarried, and suddenly they really can't go to church on a Sunday. Pope Francis has backed these people and said, I want them to be given communion. That is something, again, which has really riled conservatives. Then there's his opening to gay Catholics, starting with his now very famous line. The Pope saying, quote, if someone is gay and he searches for the Lord and has good will, who am I to judge? There's been a sort of steady outreach from Pope Francis towards homosexuals. And again, that has driven conservatives bonkers. They're furious about that. Completing the list, I would say he's just wrapped up a new constitution for the Vatican. Don't forget, this is a city-state. It needs a constitution. And that has allowed lay women to run most departments, if they're picked, at the Vatican. Divisive though he may be, and whilst he might still be preparing to stay in post with many plans to come, Francis has dropped many hints that people would rather that he moved on, including at a press conference in September last year. Tell us about that. Where was he and what was said? I think you're referring to the moment he said, I'm still alive, even though some people wanted me to die. He's been quoted as saying last year, I know there were even meetings between prelates who thought the Pope's condition was more serious than the official version. They were preparing for a conclave. But patience, thank God I'm all right. The conclave, which literally means locked with a key, dates back to a time when cardinals were locked in until they chose a new pope. 
It's the oldest enduring electoral system in the world, and many of its traditions have been unchanged for centuries. So that was him putting paid to reports that there were a sort of growing number of people in the Vatican who were thinking, yeah, he's on his way out the door and good riddance. But there's nothing like a challenge, I think, to make Francis come out fighting. Coming up, who are the Pope's enemies? And is this the end for Francis? That's in just a moment after this. Hello, my name is John Cantley. I came to Syria, where I was subsequently captured by the Islamic State. John Cantley sat in a darkened room. It was the first of a series of seven such videos. Maybe I will live and maybe I will die. Last Man Standing, a new eight-part investigative series, begins this Friday, here on Stories of Our Times, with me, Anthony Lloyd, the war correspondent for The Times. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, uh, we've heard how Francis can be a divisive figure. And we've also heard about how it can be knives out at the Vatican. Uh, Everyone could be a suspect there. Uh, Tell us about who Pope Francis's enemies are and what their issue is with him. Well, it's opposition which has grown around his outreach to homosexuals and also his consideration for remarried divorcees. I think what really got people's goat was the fact that he has clamped down on a traditional form of the Catholic Mass. Here's what's trending at the bottom of the hour. Controversial left-wing Catholic Pope, Pope Francis, has reversed policies of his predecessor, Pope Benedict, pertaining to the Latin Masses. Today, Pope Francis reimposed draconian restrictions on the Latin Mass, further dividing the church something which isn't really celebrated a lot these days, but it tends to be popular with conservatives. It's it's the old mass in Latin, where the priest doing mass stands with his back to the congregation. That has, I think, really, really, really angered conservatives. So that has created this kind of tribe of anti-Francis 
Catholics. It's a small group, but they're very vocal. And particularly in America, they have rather wealthy backers. So they have quite a loud megaphone. And they are, I think, building up now to a future conclave after Francis and hoping that next time they can get back into office someone a bit more like Benedict. There's a great variety of people. I mean, speaking of Americans, there's an elderly Cardinal Raymond Burke, who has become a ringleader for conservatives. Joining us now is His Eminence, Cardinal Raymond Burke. Your Eminence, tomorrow you'll be marching in Rome along with other pro-life supporters. We've seen a decline here in the belief that life is sacred from conception to natural death. Is that the same in Italy? Uh, yes, as the faith is under attack in the United States and in other places, it's also true in Italy. He was also very much an anti-vaxxer, was Raymond Burke, until he got COVID and ended up on a ventilator. There's also an Australian Cardinal George Pell, who has clashed with Francis on doctrine. So I think what we're looking at here is a sort of polarization within the church, which very neatly, I think, mirrors the kind of polarization you've got in politics in the UK and in the US at the moment. There's no middle ground. It's black or white. And there's been a kind of hyping up of energetic opposition, as well as energetic defense of the Pope. And also, he's a Pope who wants a legacy of cleaning up scandals, doesn't he? And there's been quite a high-profile corruption trial. The trial begins at the Vatican today of a Roman Catholic cardinal who used to be a close ally of Pope Francis. Cardinal Angelo Becciu faces accusations, including using church money to buy a multi-million dollar property in London. There's a trial ongoing at the moment, which is much pushed by Francis, involving the Vatican's investment of quite a lot of money in luxury flats in Chelsea in London. It centres around a murky property deal a few years ago when Cardinal Becciu was a very senior figure within Vatican hierarchy, in which the Vatican invested some 350 million euros. And you might wonder, why on earth is the Vatican doing that? As Pope Francis himself has said, we need to actually make our money work for us. The Vatican sits on a big pile of cash from donations and from income from its properties. Uh, It uses that money to promote the church's work. And over the last decades, they've been involved in uh, quite a lot of uh, property investment. This one went horribly wrong. It's alleged that a lot of money was lost. And what's happened now is the Pope has dragged into a Vatican court some of the officials who were involved in that, including a cardinal. Now, I don't know how well this trial is going to go. I think what's coming out at the moment is that there was a lot of incompetence and not necessarily as much sort of devious criminal behaviour as you might have thought. I think Francis's reputation, to a great extent, in terms of being a crusader, a financial cleanup guy at the Vatican, is riding on this trial. And of course, the cardinal who faces charges denies the charges. You've mentioned the relationship between Pope Francis and his predecessor, Pope Benedict. Is it fair to call it a feud? I think that if Benedict has misgivings about Francis's papacy, he's kept it under wraps. Certainly, Francis goes to see him occasionally. He calls in and they pose for a selfie and it's all, all grins. I think what's more important is that a number of Francis's detractors have gravitated around Benedict. They see Benedict as their champion. 
The fact that he's still around gives them reason to think that there's an alternative pope that they can look up to. And that has not helped the kind of sense of unity within the church. It comes down to Benedict having been a, a seriously doctrinal pope. It was the kind of old-fashioned Catholicism where you had to, to obey the rules and woe betide anyone who didn't. Francis is delighted in being the guy who will think first about how he can look after people. I think that Benedict himself has occasionally come out and said, I firmly back Francis. Maybe he doesn't in private, but he's made all the right noises to avoid any kind of skew. These two popes will both live inside the Vatican, Benedict moving into this converted convent. If today is an example, they will clearly show each other love and respect. As Francis put it, the two are brothers. Do you think he would consider his work to be done? Do you think Pope Francis has changed the Catholic Church forever? I think that it will be hard to go back on some of the changes he's made. He has dragged the Church into the 21st century. Any future Pope who tried to go back to, let's say, the style of papacy of Benedict, where there was a sort of door slammed against homosexuals, divorcees, etc., will have a hard time. So yes, I think he's changed it. And what we may see in the future is a kind of hybrid of that liberal papacy that he's introduced and the conservative elements that are on the sidelines at the moment. The fact that the constitution was published and put into effect in June, June the 5th, was one reason why people thought, okay, maybe he thinks his job is done. However, I think that we shouldn't jump to that conclusion necessarily. He, after all, has a very major synod uh, for bishops lined up next year where they are going to be talking, I think, about how to put that constitution into effect. They're all going to be pouring into Rome next year. And I think it would be pretty weird if Francis had already resigned by that point, because I think that this synod will be a kind of crowning moment of Francis's um, agenda. So don't expect him to quit the moment he comes back from visiting Celestine's tomb in August. There's another thing as well, is that since this talk has been, the, the, the rumor mill in Rome has been turning and people have been talking about possible resignations. I think he's fighting back a bit. There was an interesting speech he gave the other day where he quoted the Italian actress Anna Magnani, who famously said when, I think she was in makeup before going on set and someone was trying to, to cover up her wrinkles. And she said, leave my wrinkles alone. It's taken me a lifetime to get them. And the reason why Francis quoted her saying that was because I think he wanted to show that there is a value in old age. There's a wisdom that comes with old age. And so rather than just retiring because you've got a dodgy knee, you should plow on. And in fact, he backed that up by also telling bishops the other day, to govern the church, you need your head screwed on more than you need your legs. I think that was quite an interesting statement to make. But there's also one other reason, perhaps the most important reason why he won't resign immediately. And that's the fact that Pope Benedict is still around and he's living in a cottage in the Vatican garden, quietly living out his retirement. He's 95, but kind of still going strong. And no one in Rome believes that Francis would choose to retire and give the next pope 
this nightmare situation where you've got two retired popes looking over your shoulder. You know, <laughs> y y if the next pope ventures out into the Vatican garden for a stroll and com comes across two of his predecessors hiding behind a bush, throwing advice at him, I think that would be an awful situation. So I think that if Francis does think maybe he will retire one day rather than dying in office, he will wait out Benedict and, and not do anything until Benedict dies. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times with me, Jenny Kleeman, and my guest, The Times' Italy correspondent, Tom Kington. You can find all of Tom's reporting at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer was Katie Tarrant, the executive producer today was James Shield, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode or thoughts on what you've just heard, send us an email at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you again soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.